all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. These people are spending so much money on bills, they have no other options to get them billed out. Um, let's see what we can do. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 201 with the founder of Medical Bill Gurus, Daniel Lynch. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn the biggest mistake people with chronic Lyme make when choosing health insurance, how you can best use your health insurance even for chronic conditions like Lyme, and how Daniel saves his clients upwards of $15,000. Thanks, Aurora, and be sure to listen to the end of the podcast for the Lyme Ninja Fact of the Day. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners from Australia to Vietnam and from France to India. And also a big thank you to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We are glad you tuned in. And speaking of tuning in, this week's top 10 tune-in cities are... Starting local, number 10, Saratoga Springs, New York. And staying local, number 9, Schenectady, New York. Heading out a bit, number 8, Denver, <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> number 7, Selden, New York. I wonder where that is. Uh, I don't I'll know. have to look it up. Yeah. Number six, Narvin, Pennsylvania. Number five, Royal Oak, Michigan. Number four, Fort Worth, Texas. Number three, San Pedro, California. Number two, Edmonton, Canada. And number one this week, New York, New York. Do you know your Lyme score? If not, do yourself a favor, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. All right, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch's family experienced financial difficulties as they helped his sister manage a chronic condition. What his family faced inspired him to pursue a career in medical reimbursements. He founded Medical Bill Gurus in order to help people get the most out of their insurance and make sure others don't have to go through the same difficulties his family went through. 
You know, I thought it would be an interesting interview to get a technical take on insurance, because really that's where the rubber meets the road, and that's why we interviewed Daniel. I know so many people out there are struggling with trying to find a way to finance their medical treatments, and it can be absolutely brutal. And this is a ray of hope for some of you out there, so please have a great listen to Daniel Lynch of Medical Bill Gurus. Hello, Daniel. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, what's going on, my friend? It is very good to meet you. You have a unique business that I want to talk about. I think it might help quite a few Lyme patients out there who've had to pay out of pocket for many, many treatments. But before we get into that, I'm curious. On your website, you've got a lot of information about Lyme disease. So what's your connection with Lyme disease? Yeah. So um, it's not really a connection with Lyme disease in particular. It's a connection to autoimmune diseases and chronic illness. So growing up, um, my sister, she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And leading up to that point, like so many other autoimmune diseases, my family was just trying to get question, answers to our questions. And so um, my mom, she spent quite a bit of money on medical bills. Um, my father at the time also had Parkinson's and mental illness, eventually, you know, was unable to work. And my family found themselves in a position where bankruptcy was really the only viable option. And so due to these compounding medical bills between my father and my sister, we eventually had to uh, kind of just go to the courthouse and file bankruptcy, which is a real hit on my family personally. Um, and so eventually I, I've always been trying to look for a way to be like, you know, how can I help others from falling down that same rabbit hole of just having no other options, not being able to afford treatment. And I eventually started medical bill gurus to help with medical bills. And then working within medical bill gurus, I started, I started to, to, to learn more about Lyme disease. I, I'm originally from Florida. And so I had really never heard about Lyme disease, to be honest. And then when I started helping people with their medical bills, it ended up being that people with Lyme disease had these crazy amounts of medical bills. And so um, I partnered up with a billing manager who had been actually doing some cash only medical billing for um, about 20 years. And I said, hey, man, let's just go help the Lyme community. I mean, these people are spending so much money on bills. They have no other options to get them billed out. Um, let's see what we can do. And then that's where I am today. I just, I honestly, I saw um, under our skin, I started doing a lot of personal research and I just was honestly amazed at the situation that so many people are falling into and that they have no other options to help them with their bills. And so that's where I am today. Um, I'm very passionate about helping um, patients of all communities, but the Lyme community has been one that I've really connected with quite a bit and raising awareness and going around the country and trying to help educate people on their insurance benefits. So let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit here. It's like, I mean, we all know that we've got insurance or we don't have insurance or would like to have insurance, medical insurance. How, how does medical insurance work? So when you say, how does medical insurance work? Are you, are you referring to just the standard go to your doctor down the street or for a Lyme patient in particular? Let's, let's just start with the doctor down the street. It's like, what, what happens? Yeah. Because it's kind of magic. You show up at the doctor's office, there's that glass window, you hand him the cards <laughs> and your 20 bucks, and then you get a bunch of paperwork from a, a bunch of different people. So what's going on behind the scenes there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, in general terms, there's typically two types of providers. There's an in-network provider and an out-of-network provider. 
So the, the doctor down the street that you typically walk in and give them your copay, um, and maybe you have to pay some co-insurance depending on how your policy is written, um, that would be considered in-network provider. And what that means is that the provider has actually been contracted by the insurance payer to have a pre-negotiated rate. So you go down the street, give them your insurance card, um, they charge you your $25 copay. And then from that point forward, the provider themselves will bill out the claims to the insurance companies and seek reimbursements. And um, a majority of all providers are contracted in network by the major insurance carriers because it, it helps streamline things. But most of all, it helps keep some of the costs down and the insurance companies um, will help provide some volume and, and more patients for that provider in exchange for being contracted in network. Um, so that's the common scenario here. If you go to the emergency room or have a surgery, then you're going to want to start looking at your deductible and your max out of pocket. Um, and, and if you're in network, you, you want to try to stay in network with hospitals because some of them are out of network. Um, and I'll get to out of network in a minute here, but it's really important that if you are looking for treatment um, for anything and you're not really sure, you know, whether the provider's in network or out network, it can be a huge financial difference. And so, you know, most general family physicians are in network, um, more of your common doctors, but a lot of Lyme literate doctors are not in network, which brings me to the next, the next um, type of provider, which is an out-of-network provider. So an out-of-network provider is typically a provider who's not contracted in network with the insurance company, which means that they do not have any contractor or negotiated rates and are most likely um, potentially a cash-only business. And so when a provider is a cash-only business, then you're going to want to look at your insurance policy and make sure you have what we call out-of-network coverage. This is typically found within a PPO insurance policy and would allow you to go to any provider, assuming the fact that you know you're risking that there's no potential insurance coverage or reimbursement available as the insurance does not have a contracted rate with the provider themselves. Um, and so whenever you go to an out-of-network provider, you are going to want to look at your out-of-network deductible, your out-of-network reimbursement, and then also look at to make sure like, hey, you know, if I do go to this provider, you know, what's my potential financial out-of-pocket expense? For a lot of providers, you are going to have to pay up front. So that's kind of the worst of it up front. And then you could potentially get something back on the back end, depending on how the insurance um, processes the claims and look at the, looks at the usual and customary fees for those services. So this brings up an interesting point and that doctors contract with insurance companies and that's where the flow of money comes from. And as, as hard it is, as it is to think of this way. And so it's a little bit cynical. It's they're working for the insurance company, not necessarily for you. You're the, you're kind of the raw material that comes through the office and then they use that to generate codes to send to the insurance company. So that's why so many Lyme literate physicians aren't in network anywhere is because they cannot, they risk their license treating outside the standards of care. And, and so they have to sidestep it. They, they can't be part of these networks. And I know a lot of Lyme patients will say, you know, boy, I wish this was covered by insurance, but it's at this point, that's really the, the catch 22. If it were, if it were covered, you probably wouldn't be getting the care that you want or needed and 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 that's yeah. what we find there and that's the frustration the really the the insurance companies in many cases are playing the tune and the doctors have to either 
dance to that tune or be willing to fight a really energetic fight to to treat the way they want to do. So with yeah. that, with that point said, now why why would somebody and this is totally like a softball question, why would somebody use a company like yours to help get reimbursement after going to an out of network provider or a cash only provider? Why wouldn't they just do the paperwork themselves? Yeah, definitely. So to be honest, insurance billing is very confusing just in general. There's so many codes. There's so many diagnoses you have to look at. Um, there's so many variables when you're preparing the bills. So at Medical Bill Gurus, what we do is we specialize in working with some of the major clinics in the United States, Mexico, Germany, um, and can honestly work with any provider to take all that information, compile it for you, and then prepare the bills, and then most of all, submit them and follow up with the insurance company. Um, when it comes to insurance billing, there's so many things that can be denied. And to be honest, you know, the insurance companies, they don't want to pay for claims that they don't feel are justified. So they're looking for, you know, various errors or anything they can do to deny the claims. We specialize in helping prevent that from happening and following up with the insurance company. So what we will do is if someone were to go to, say, go to for treatment and they get a bill, um, a lot of providers don't always provide a super bill. And so sometimes that's the first obstacle is, hey, getting an itemized receipt, getting an itemized breakdown of what was done. Um, and so when people are able to get something, they can give that to us, and then we will actually put together billing templates and prepare the bills for them. I can't emphasize enough that when it comes to integrative medicine, alternative medicine, holistic medicine, which a lot of Lyme literate doctors would fall under, the key here is billing for the FDA-approved auxiliary services because treatments that are truly alternative in nature are not going to be covered by the insurance. But certain services such as uh, doctor consults, overhead fees, labs, sir, um, different fee, fees that make up the bill can actually compound and make up 40, 60% of a potential reimbursement for you. We're never going to be able to get 100% back because when we deal with cash-only providers, typically the prices are not what the insurance is looking for in terms of their contracted rates because whenever they have their contracted rates, they're typically lower. So we're going to specialize in saying, hey, we know, we know how these bills should be processed. We know the typical, usual, and customary. It can help guide patients to know, hey, this is a reasonable amount to get back from the insurance. This isn't a reasonable amount. But no matter what, we're going to help process everything, guide you, um, and also check your insurance benefits. So one of the first things that we do whenever someone comes to us is we will actually do what we call a free case evaluation, where we're going to actually look at your bills and actually look at all of your insurance um, policy information to see if you qualify and you have the adequate coverages to get your treatment reimbursed by the insurance company. Yeah, they bring up a really interesting point there. There's so many codes now on the diagnosis and with the, what is it, ICD-11 or 10? What is the new one? I ICD-11? Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 right, the diagnosis code. So that, that's important. And different companies, insurance companies cover certain codes and, and not others. So it's important to know which codes are valid there. But then also the procedure codes is crazy because they can be broken down. You can say something like, oh, you're going for an acupuncture treatment. But if there are companies out there who, you know, I've been to seminars and they say, okay, this is how you break down an acupuncture treatment so you get reimbursement. And you end up listing half a dozen different codes for that acupuncture treatment. And if you don't know how the game is played, you'll never get 
the reimbursement that you're looking for because you don't know yeah. what the insurance company is looking for. They speak a foreign language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so my, my billing manager, um, who's been doing this for 20 years, he has, he has years and years of experience of working with all the major insurance payers um, and, and really knows how to prepare the bills. And like you said, look at prepare them in a way that the insurance is looking for and doing everything by the book, making sure that everything is clear and transparent. And that's how we've had great success of really knowing how to thread the needle and, and to a certain extent. Once we've had a patient go through the system once or twice from that particular clinic, then we start to get a feel for what treatments they offer, what services are provided. And we actually put together billing templates. And over time, as more and more patients we work with, um, we're able to fine tune that and get a, get an idea of, you know, what type of treatments are they offering? What are those, what are those codes look like? And then preparing the bills and hopefully you can get a little bit more streamlined over time. But initially when we take on a new clinic that we've never worked on before, it, it is, it is very uh, tedious at first to put together those templates, identify what treatments are being offered, you know, identify the FDA approved auxiliary services and put together the complete package to submit to the insurance company. But it is very tedious. It's a lot of follow-up as well. We want to make sure whenever we do submit things that the insurance receives it. We try to follow up on claims every two weeks to ensure that the insurance is processing them and hasn't kicked them out of the system. Because for whatever reason, if they, if they see certain codes or something that they don't like, they have the right to kick it out. And at that point, we want to identify that so we can go ahead and fix it and then resubmit to the insurance. So let's talk Turkey here. Can you, I know there's patient confidentiality, but can you give us a couple stories of Lyme people who've gone to clinics or have had treatment and worked with your service and got reimbursement? The key variable here when it comes to success stories is how good of an insurance policy do you have? And so I can, you know, name every clinic in the U.S. that we've worked with. And the real determining variable there is like, hey, what type of health insurance do you have? It really depends on the quality of that policy. Um, you know, going back to some testimonials of, of patients that we've recently helped, we've also been helping, um, but there's, I'll, I'll name another clinic, North Shore IV Center in Illinois. We've been working with their patients and getting money back. Typically, we can get between 40, 60% back of their out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, it really depends, though, again, on the insurance policy. So it's really, I, whenever I talk with patients who have spent so much money and all their valuable financial resources, it's always hard for me to, you know, give an exact ballpark of, hey, this is how much money you can get back because we've got to look at that. How, hey, what type of policy do you have up front? What's your out-of-network deductible? What's your out-of-network max out-of-pocket? And then how much did you spend total? And of what you did spend, uh, you know, what are the truly alternative things we can't bill for, for example, with stem cells, and we can't truly bill for the stem cells, um, you know, but IV therapy, and that's where we get a lot of the best reimbursement sometimes is on the IV therapy. So can, if, if you're willing to say, what's the worst insurance company out there? Uh, you can um, you can duck if you want to. <laughs> uh, I would say the one that has the most control. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the one, the, the largest one. So I, I think you kind of know which one is the largest one. If I had a guess. Now you are a business, and obviously you have to get paid. You have to pay yeah. for your mortgage and food on the table, and you're married, and you have to take care of each other. How how do you get paid? Is like is it an upfront yeah. fee that people have to cough up, or what's the deal? So we work strictly on a contingency basis. So whenever we do everything upfront, there's no fees whatsoever. Um, 
the only fee we have is a 20% contingency on the back end if you do successfully receive funds from the insurance company. So other than that, there's no upfront contracts, there's no retainers, um, there's no fees for us to take on your case and take a look at it. We're going to simply look at your case and say, hey, you know, we're aligned with you 100% with this. Um, if there's nothing for us to, to get back from the insurance on your behalf, then we're not going to pursue your case. But if there is something back, and again, we're aligned with you and we suspect you'll get money back, then we're going to go ahead and, and take on your case, your case and submit your bills for you. Um, one of the things that we also do as a value add is that we do all the billing up to the deductible free of charge. So if your deductible is, let's say, $5,000, we are going to do all the bills up to that first $5,000. And our contingency would then start whenever you start actually physically getting money back from the insurance. So by using our service, there should be absolutely no additional expense out of pocket um, unless you get money back from the insurance, which would make a net difference of positive for the patient, which is our goal by providing the service. Of, uh, we're trying to hedge the risk as much as we can financially for patients. I know they spent so much already. Um, I wouldn't feel right, you know, charging an upfront fee, but that's why we do that contingency on the back end. So really, the, the only you only get you only pay if if you recover some money. Yes, you are correct. So if there's no reimbursement from the insurance, we have no fee, and then we absorb the loss of the business. And so we have had that happen quite a few times because at the end of the day, nothing is guaranteed with the insurance companies, and so. When that, when we prepare the bills, we submit them, we're going to obviously have our expenses and, and costs associated with that. And if we get nothing back, then we just tell the patient, hey, we're sorry, we didn't get anything back. And then we, we absorb the loss. And is there, do you find like, is there a, what's the right word? Like a, a level at which it makes sense to pursue? Like, if you know, if somebody has, you know, a thousand dollar deductible, let's say, and they have $2,500 in expenses, is that worth pursuing or it should be something like somebody who's got $10,000 or $50,000 worth of expenses? So we, we would, we would, you know, to be honest, it's a case by case basis. We want to look at the quality of the insurance policy. And so obviously if you have better coverage and you do have that thousand dollar deductible and you spent, you know, let's say three to 5,000, I think that would be a good range to, you know, start the discussion. But, you know, when it's under, like, when it's $2,500, to be honest, just because when we pr process everything and we have to go by the usual and customary, at some point, it's almost like we would, cut, we would both break even, right? right? And so for us, really, the, the sweet spot where, where we would want to, you know, potentially get more money back would probably be five to $10,000. Um, but again, that really depends on your insurance policy, which is why we do that insurance evaluation up front, because... There are some policies that have, let's say, a $10,000 deductible, or there's some that have no deductible, or there's some that have a, you know, a certain co-insurance. That's why it's really important for us to take a look at that policy up front and look at the quality of that policy so we can determine, hey, you know, you spent $5,000, your deductible is $1,000, we could potentially get you three to 4000 back. Um, you know, this might be worth pursuing. And so we would take on those cases. We always want to, you know, it's a, that's a great question because I, I have a lot of, of patients who come to me and they say, hey, Daniel... I spent $500 and I'm like, you know, you know, I would love to help you, but let's look at your deductible. Your deductible is a thousand. We don't need it. If you don't have a deductible and you spent, let's say $500, $1,000, sometimes, you know, depending on how the insurance process is, that's still only going to be, let's say like a hundred, $200 reimbursement because they're going to look at the contracted rate or, you know, not the contracted rate, but the typical usual customary rate that they would pay for that service. And so when, you know, one thing I always like to let patient, Lyme patients know is that 
when you're dealing with out-of-network providers, the prices are going to be different than what an in-network provider would charge. And that's one of the reasons why, as you know, as a, a provider, out-of-network provider, is that it helps you as a, the provider as a business stay afloat. And, you know, it helps you to be able to determine, you know, set your prices and do what treatment you feel is necessary. So when if you charge 500 out of network and then the insurance process that they're going to not pay that full amount. And that's one thing I have a hard time, you know, telling line patients is, hey, you spent $100,000, but necessarily speaking, it's not going to be all $100,000 that we can bill out. We're going to have to find segments and chunks of the FDA approved ancillary services. And our goal would be to get... 40, 60 percent of that amount back to you reimbursed by the insurance. You know, that that's also a very important lesson that's usually learned the hard way. Uh, and it's really never spelled out in an easy to understand way until you actually get the, get the numbers. And you can see that even even with conventional care, if you go to, like you said, an out of network hospital or you're in an in an in-network hospital, but the surgeon, let's say, isn't, I've had this happen with my daughter. The surgeon was an out of network surgeon. And then the amount that they re- reimburse versus what the surgeon charges can, can be really radically different, uh, and can leave you on the hook for, for quite a bit of money. And, you know, yeah. th- those, those numbers aren't really published. You know, you, you kind of have access to them because you're sending in bills and they're saying, okay, this is what we're covering. So you only find out what that number is after the fact it's, you know, it's not quite bait and switch, but it, it can be super, super frustrating. And you keep talking about the quality of the insurance and people's opportunity to switch insurances, you know, comes around every year or every couple of years. What should a person look for? in insurance reimbursement? Like what makes it a good plan? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take one step back there and kind of just educate people on the different plans that we typically see. And then I'll jump into the best scenario. So I just want to get it out there because I I talk to a lot of people and I always hate to break news, but for Medicare and Medicaid, we typically can't assist with those bills because they're in network only, right? You have to go to a Medicare approved provider. Um, Most Lyme doctors are not going to be in network with Medicare and Medicaid. HMOs and EPOs were also very limited as well. So we're not going to be able to help with those. And so whenever I talk to, to uh, patients and they're like, Daniel, you know, my open enrollment's coming up. What should I do? You know, what policy did I get? Always go for the PPO with the lowest deductible and the highest premium, just to be honest. You know, obviously you want to take a look at it and make sure the coverage is good across the board, but a PPO is really what you need to be successful um, with reimbursement from the insurance because that's going to provide the best our network coverage. And then in terms of quality of those policies, you're going to want to look at the carriers. Typically, the average person is going to only have one carrier they can choose from unless they have a spouse who has another one. And so when I used to be, an, I used to be a structural engineer, um, and when I was a structural engineer, I know at my company, our options were you can have a Blue Cross Your Shield HMO or a Blue Cross Your Shield PPO. And so in that scenario, you would always want to choose the PPO because that would provide the best level of coverage. Um, I know a lot of people, depending on where you are in the country, they do have um, access to the Affordable Health Care Act and the exchange online for different health care policies. You really want to be wary with those. And when I say wary, you want to look at the level of coverage, the deductible, and then also look at the carrier. And so 
we've had a lot of people who have had um, those policies and they had a ten, twelve thousand dollar deductible. And so in that scenario, it's not as easy for us to get reimbursements unless you spend a certain threshold. And so deductible, coinsurance, max out of pocket uh, are really some of the major factors you want to look for in that quality of policy. Because at the end of the day, I think that healthcare, in my opinion, as an engineer, is that you can write in, you should be able to write an equation. It doesn't always work out like that because insurance um, has their hidden variables. But, you know, the lower the deductible, the, lo- the better the coinsurance, and the lower the max out of pocket, the more you're going to get back for reimbursements when we submit those bills. You get what you pay for, bottom line. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got, I'm actually, um, right. I'm on my wife. She used to be a teacher. And so we're actually on her COBRA because we personally, I personally could not get access to a healthcare policy that I felt comfortable with. So I'm paying $1,100 a month for, in premiums right now. And that's unfortunate, but that I know that that's the level of, of coverage that I need for whatever comes our way. But without her COBRA, I would have no access to this policy whatsoever because it's on a group plan. Group plans historically are the better plans as well. So an individual plan versus a group plan, I mean, it makes sense. The insurance wants to provide the best deal to the most number of people because there's more premiums, there's more chance that they're going to break even, make money, et cetera. Um, and on an individual plan, that's usually where you're going to have the higher deductible because there's less people to hedge the risk for the insurance company. So it's essentially a group plan is through an employer usually or some sort of organization. Yeah, typically an employer. I've heard of some organizations having plans available as well, um, but the most common scenario is through your employer. Uh, I know. I know one stigma that I, I've, I've encountered on Facebook is a lot of people think that you have to work for these like super high-end companies to get access to really good health insurance policies. That's not the case. Some of the best policies that we see are from labor unions, uh, school boards. Uh, lar- obviously, large Fortune 500 companies will have good policies as well. But, you know, city jobs, state jobs, where there's a huge group of people that are on the, the same policy, those are some of the best policies that we see come through the door. Yeah, they have the leverage to negotiate a good, a good deal. Yep. You, you know, and, and one thing I was going to touch on earlier, because you talked about the balance billing with getting a bill from, you said your daughter's surgery and that you guys got a bill and it was out of network. Um, one of the things that we also do at Medical Bill Gears is that we also specialize in helping people with conventional medical bills. That was actually the initial start. When we started Medical Bill Gears, we were looking at emergency room bills, um, out, you know, outpatient surgery bills, et cetera. And so what I could tell you is that if that does happen to you, because I know a lot of Lyme patients use the ER as their doctor. You know, a lot of them have to go to that, the ER because they don't have a doctor, wherever it may be. Um, and so if you do get a bill from the ER, you can always reach out to us as well, and we can help try to take a look at that, potentially negotiate it down. But in certain states, particularly Texas, where I just moved from, they actually have legislation. It's in Arizona, I believe, as well, um, where they have legislation that pr- protects patients from balanced billing. And so that's one of the, you know, whenever a patient reaches out to us and they have, let's say they had a knee surgery, they got a $10,000 bill on the network, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm say, hey, you know, is there some legislation that we can leverage in the state to, to send a, a bill to that provider say, hey, you know, um, you can't do that in the state because of X, Y, Z. And so that's really important. I personally had that happen to me in Texas. I had a knee surgery. I got hit with a $15,000 bill from people I didn't know were even in the room. I was right. just like, what is this? Right. And I, I, I was just like, like, what? I had four anesthesiologists, you know? Um, but I went ahead and I, I said to them, hey, you can't balance bill me in the state of Texas per this. And it was immediately wiped away. 
And so that's where we come into play with the conventional medical bills is we want to, and, and to be honest, we just want to take a look at any medical bill we can, as long as it's over a certain threshold and, you know, there, there's room that we can either get it negotiated down or reimbursed, et cetera. We want to take a look at it. And so we've actually had a lot of great success with hospital bills as well, because a lot of those bills are also going to be on the higher end and a little overinflated. So, um, you know, you walk into the hospital, you're already looking at hitting your deductible right off the bat. I talked to a guy last week who in Colorado, who he went in for, he, he was a construction worker. He fell down, hit his head. They wanted to make sure he didn't have a, um, make sure he didn't have any brain damage or, or get a concussion. And all of a sudden he gets a bill for 30 grand. And he's like, man, I, I have a high deductible HMO. I don't have 30 grand, but he's still got that bill. So we're currently trying to work with him to see if we can potentially try to get that knocked down for him in some capacity. Yeah, it's the the ER visits can quickly spiral out of control. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. And everybody who sticks their head inside your either curtain or room bills you. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And that's what uh, – it's crazy. And that, that's honestly what happened with my sister. So when my sister had her Crohn's, she would have constant flare ups and we have to go to the ER because she was in a lot of pain. And then we would get these bills and my mom was just like, man, I just, I can't do it. I can't keep doing this. I mean, not only emotionally turmoiling, but I mean, financially draining doesn't even begin to describe what happens if you go to the ER on a regular basis. Luckily, if you, if you do stay in network at some point, you do reach your max out of pocket. So that's the one saving grace is if you do have a good policy with a relatively low max out of pocket, but the biggest hits usually on that first one, if you plan accordingly. So what my family did is we started getting our FSA cards and having those ready to go. And so we were just like every year, we're just going to hit that max out of pocket. We're not even going to try to, to, to avoid it. And that's the mindset that a lot of parents of Lyme patients have is it's like, Hey, I know that I'm going to spend so much money every year, no matter what, I'm going to financially plan. I'm going to get my FSA, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, how much money people are spending on healthcare in general, but the, the, the Lyme population, I mean, the Lyme, the Lyme community in particular, like I, I can't tell you some of the stories I've heard of how much money people have spent. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Second, third mortgages, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I, I talked to uh, I talked to a mom um, and she told me that she used to be a millionaire. They had all these assets, everything. And then her kids got sick with Lyme and they got pans. And she said, you know what? Like, I love my kids more than anything else. And they spent a million dollars on treatment. They maxed out their credit cards. And now they're just living on credit, still traveling around getting more treatment. Because she's just like, I have to keep looking for that right doctor. But unfortunately, she spent a million dollars. And the average person can't spend a million dollars. But that's the level and the cost of some of these treatments that people are pursuing. Because they're, you know, very selective. There's a high demand. And the insurance doesn't cover it whatsoever. Um, and so we're hoping to try to get some of that money back from her. But even with that being said, we're not going to be able to get a full million back. I mean, I, we've never, I've never done, we haven't done this much in medical bills per se. So it's going to be interesting to see how much we could potentially get back for her. Hopefully it's a significant amount. Absolutely. Now, if people are interested in submitting to you, not submitting, but finding out if like their situation would be something that you're willing to take on or have them have you take a look at what's going on. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So we have our website, medicalbillgurus.com. That's a great source of information. If you want to kind of just jump on a little bit, learn a little bit more about the company and some of the services that we provide, there's a lot of great information on there. We also have an option on the website for you to submit your information 
for a free insurance evaluation. And so that would be really the best start for everyone is that if you are interested, I'd love to jump on a call with you, kind of hear your story, um, learn what your insurance company you have, how much you spent on bills, et cetera. And then we can do a free case evaluation of you. And again, that's on the website. But if anybody would like to email me directly, my email is daniel at medicalbillgurus.com. And um, one thing also on the, the site that we have that a lot of people seem to really like is we have live chat where you can actually uh, chat with us anonymously, unless you'd like to share your identity. But if you just have a curious, qu quick question, you want to go on the website, but you don't want to necessarily submit your information, we do have that live chat on the website as well for you. And then our 1-800 number, if you want to give us a phone call, is 1-800-674-7836. Again, our 1-800 number is 1-800-674-7836. Okay, and we'll put all that info up on the the episode page on Lime Ninja Radio. So if you're listening to this and you're driving in the car and you can't write it down, don't worry. Just go to LimeNinjaRadio.com and look up Daniel Lynch or go straight to his website. MedicalBillGurus.com. MedicalBillGurus.com. Um, Thank you. Yep, yep. All right, terrific. And... Thank you for your time. You've been very generous and you're helping a ton of people. It's very clear. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't cover that must be said before we close this out? Yeah. You know, one thing that I'd, I'd really like to just share with everyone is that our healthcare system is very complex. There's a lot of questions you have. And one of the goals that I have at Medical Book Gurus is I want to educate people on insurance and how the, the billing works and, and not go to the certain, uh, the depth of like knowing what particular codes, but just helping families that when open enrollment comes around that one offer, that one time a year where you can change and you're, and you're looking to potentially get on a different policy, reach out to us. I'd love to jump on a call and just educate people on what their deductible is, what their max out of pocket is. We know what can we potentially do to help um, once you do have the adequate coverage, because I cannot tell you how hard of a conversation it is for me to talk with someone who spent their entire life savings, spent mortgage their home, spent everything they have, only to have to tell them that if they had spent an additional $200 a month to get the PPO instead of the HMO, that we could have got some of that money back. And so I'm hoping that if anyone's listening to this right now, and you're not really sure about what your insurance policy means, or you have questions, come to our site and, and, and you know, let's chat, let's jump on a call. I want to educate everyone as much as I can to make sure that they have the adequate coverage they need for themselves and their loved ones when they do get sick. Great advice, Dan. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great chat with you and I definitely appreciate it. I thought this interview was really cool and it's exciting for me at least because it's, it's not very often we get to share with people, with our listeners, like, oh, look, here's a way that you can actually get money back instead of, instead of just saying, oh, this treatment isn't that expensive. We're actually saying, hey, look, there's this guy who can actually help you. So I'm excited about that. It is exciting. And the insurance world is so Byzantine right? There are lots mm -hmm. of twists and turns and secret codes and secret handshakes that happen in the back door. And it's very frustrating. Uh, you know, on one hand, 
the insurance companies are trying to be good stewards of the money and not pay for stuff they shouldn't be paying for. On the other hand, what it looks like from our end is they just don't pay for anything. And it's just really infuriating at times. You spend all this money over years paying into insurance. And then when you're sick and you really need it, they say, well, you know, we're not going to pay for this. Yeah. So what Daniel offers is fairly limited in terms of reimbursement. He gives great insight into how the system works and really to have your ducks in a in a row before you start submitting because once you've submitted bills and they don't have the right coding it's pretty much all over and the coding changes sometimes from month to month but really at least every six months the coding rules change and you need somebody who's really on top of that and a service like daniel's is invaluable And it doesn't cost anything to have a look at it. So if you're in the category where it makes sense to give him a call, send him an email, I really encourage you to do that. There is a ray of hope out there. And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, you don't have to fill out any forms. There's no insurance. Just hit the subscribe button on your app. And if you really like what we're doing, leave a review on your podcast app. And if you really, really like what we're doing, I'd appreciate if you'd support us by donating $1 a month. A deductible. (laughs) It's a very small deductible. (laughs) For just $1, you can help us make the world a better place for people with tick-borne diseases. Just head over to our new homepage, www.LimeNinjaRadio.com, and look for the link under the How Can We Help You headline. A big shout-out to our newest patrons, Caleb and Gemma. Thank you for making the world a better place for people with Lyme and other tick-borne diseases. And if you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything... Uh, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And last, as you long-time Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know ninjas can read an eye chart with their eyes closed? <laughs> Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.